the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning and welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't be shy. Show dedicated to getting you to retirement. Um which I'm not going to change my playbook and suddenly be about day trading. I'm not going to change my playbook and suddenly be about, you know, uh, writing market trends that are completely safe or how to avoid losing everything in a downturn. It's just not going to change the game. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, Don't be shy. I think that's the number one thing that I want to push on a regular basis is don't be shy. We had a tough week last week. Tough enough that I need a sip of coffee before I talk about it. Sip of tea. Um, stock market looking to bounce back. <clears throat> so that's kind of like the theme of the week. If we're to go that direction. Better than expected quarterly results from Citigroup. Oh, <clears throat> That's worth mentioning. We do have earnings right here, right now. And we all kind of know that earnings, if there's a miss, it's not going to be blamed on poor, poor, poor consumer. It's going to be blamed on winter weather. So Citigroup top expectations by a lot. And that helps the market. That's kind of where we are. Boost in market expectations was helped this morning by European markets recouping overnight losses. That followed on the heels of Wall Street's week session on Friday. A lot of times, and this just shows you how I really approach things. I was at the gym when the market closed on Friday. And I really wasn't all that stressed by whatever was happening or not happening on the market. It doesn't mean that I'm not a phone call away. It doesn't mean that I don't see it. It just means that I don't really, you know, log it as, oh, no. There seems to be some growing unrest in eastern Ukraine. Problematic. Weekend reports highlighting armed attacks by pro-Russian separatists that many are being, think that are being orchestrated by Russia itself. Political rhetoric revolving around the threat of implementing more economic sanctions against Russia. Do we, don't we? And the market doesn't really care that much about what's happening in Ukraine. Dow's up 76, NASDAQ up 17, S&P 500 up 9. market cares more about retail sales, which jumped 1.1% in March, on top of an upwardly revised 7 tenths of a percent increase from February, which was 
better than expected because it was originally reported as three tenths of a percent. So retail sales, when you link or lump these things together, they're trending higher. If you exclude auto, which is a big part of retail, retail sales jumped seven tenths of a percent. Again, not a bad number. Sales increases were seen in most categories except for electronics, gasoline, and some miscellaneous store retailers. So there were some declines, especially retail, uh, especially uh, electronics, which, again, after you get past the Super Bowl, people are, like, pretty generally apathetic about getting a new TV. Seeds are planted today. We are moving higher. Will we continue to move higher? Citigroup's earnings encouraging retail store reports. Very bullish for a stronger stock market. Now, do we fail to capitalize on that and basically decline more from last week? How much did we decline last week? 2.4%. That's a blow to investors' confidence if we basically can't hold these gains from today. And again, I'm not a betting man. I'm not a gambling man by nature. I don't know. Do I want a correction? I personally do. Do I want it to be 5-10%? I do. I'd be okay with 15% from all-time highs. Because, you know, I've repositioned my 401k to expect some sort of correction. So I'm not all in on the growth side. I have some plays that would win from a decline in market tops. But I'm not so repositioned that it, I wouldn't feel it. There's just some defense built into it. I hope that made sense, because I'm not sure it totally does. Um, other things we need to talk about today. Uh, March retail sales beat expectations. Got it. Citigroup beating expectations. Got it. Tensions in Ukraine. I think we've covered that. Weakness today is seen in telco and utilities. Strength is everywhere else. How do we ultimately hold on to that is the question lots going on on Wall Street um, as far as top stories type go mm, Oscar Pistorius never going to hit my radar so that much you can probably feel pretty comfortable with oil is seesawing near $104 a barrel there's about 10 states in the United States that have really boomed from the oil boom Interestingly enough, um, interestingly enough, what am I trying to say there? Interestingly enough, I don't know. There's nothing interesting about that. I pity the fool. <laughs> I pity the fool. I'm sorry, Mr. T. Um, one day I'm going to have Mr. T and Chewbacca do a debate, and I'll try to find an, another participant who would benefit enormously from that kind of exposure. Uh, don't have it quite yet, but we're going crazy. Um, Game of Thrones last night. Did you watch it? <clears throat> I will not spoil it for you. Everyone died. Okay, I just spoiled it for you. The show's over. Everyone died. <clears throat> Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money invested in more. Um, taking a quick look at the market numbers again. And I'm, I'm trying to like see if there's a story like Visa's up, Apple's slightly down, Google's up, GM's up, 
TM has been in the news a lot lately. Um, with recalls, how will the stock perform, not perform? <clears throat> I think right around that $32, $34 level, it's got a lot of support. But if headlines get worse, it's going to break down. If headlines don't get worse, I think you've got a trade on your hands. Um, with that said, that's the name of the game. So, Citigroup is the story of the day. Oh, Robert Barrett upgraded Visa today. And that may be as important as the Citigroup story, because Visa's been under pressure on antitrust issues and cost per swipe issues and competition issues. Microsoft got downgraded to hold from buy. That stock's had an amazing 18 months. Jeffries downgraded Johnson & Johnson today from buy to hold. Elon Lilly, Jeffries upgraded its shares to hold from underperform. Edward Life Sciences won a court order curbing sales of Medtronic's core valve system after a prior ruling that the device infringed on its patents held by Edwards. Oh, medical issues are so patent heavy. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. This is Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. KFAX Traffic is brought to you by the T.J. Martell Foundation. Join the T.J. Martell Foundation in the fight against leukemia, cancer, and AIDS. Your support helps facilitate cutting-edge research that will lead to more effective treatments and save more lives. Visit tjmartell.org to learn about music's promise for a cure. Taking a look at Bay Bridge, the metering lights have been switched on. It's early for this time of uh, morning. Traffic's backed up beyond West Grand Avenue to the bus lane split. In Livermore, westbound 580, coming over the Altamont Pass, it's backed up all the way from Tracy to 1st Street in Livermore. Westbound 4 in Bay Point, stop and go from the top of the Willow Pass to Port Chicago Highway. That's traffic on AM 1100 KFAX. AM 1220 Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Money invested in more. <clears throat> yes, I've got something in my throat today. I'm sorry. I'll try to make sure it's clear before I come on air. Google reports on Wednesday. Yahoo reports on Tuesday. Intel reports on Wednesday. IBM reports on Wednesday. BlackBerry reports on Friday. All five tech stories have a story. Did Google's ad business generate enough momentum for their stock price? Up 22% in ad revenue. 
Will that continue like it did last quarter? Yahoo! Slowing growth at Alibaba. Yahoo! Company issued a ding forecast, or a dinged, or how shall we say, a not great quarter result expectations. So will Yahoo start to be able to differentiate themselves from a big investment they have in a very hot and sexy IPO out of China? Their share of digital ad revenue last quarter dropped. Um, and year over year now, it's just falling. So it's now 5.8%. Can they show any improvement in digital ad revenue? Intel, play on the PC. Can they get in the smartphone or the tablet? The stories are big. The stories are abundant. IBM, their hardware revenue plunged 26%. The company expects to take a $1 billion charge to reorganize the company with significant job cuts. What's it going to look like? We want some more details. BlackBerry, smartphone maker. Um, one of the companies hit pretty hard by the heartbleed encryption vulnerability. They're going to release security updates for its messaging software available on Android and iOS. They say patches will be ready by Friday, which I guess if I cared enough, I would tell everyone that there is a story out there that you probably know of, maybe, maybe not, depending on how embedded in news you are, called a Heartbleed Virus. And there's been some websites in the last two years that you thought you were logging on to safely and securely because it had a cute little heart in the, I guess, uh, browser area where you see what web page you're on. Everyone should change their passwords. But that's my advice always. So if you use the Internet for any sort of commerce or transaction, you should change your password every 90 days, period. And my personal opinion is it should be three types of password instead of just one. Don't do password one, two, three, four, five. That's actually two types. That's two, you know, ideas. One is a word, one is some numerics. I'd prefer that you use something like a, I don't know, a high school mascot mixed in with a year, mixed in with a web address, or mixed in with something. Kind of blend three together. Makes it a little more tough guess a little more tough to uh, break encryption wise some capitals some explanation points things along those lines hashtags whatever you want to do anything you want to talk about we can talk about interesting story in the USA today where they talk about reasons you should marry and reasons you should not marry and that has to be one of those stories that you go, that's not for me. And I get it. Um, financial reasons to marry sound crazy, right? It's not something that, how shall we say, makes a lot of sense. But an article, nonetheless, is out there on it. Two can live as cheaply as one. That's an old saying. It's fairly true. When it comes to death throw, divorce, taxes, two are probably better off financially if they don't marry. Intentionally not, a lot of federal and state laws reward couples that choose to live together without marriage. 
Laws relating to workers' compensation insurance are an example of this. Someone whose spouse has died in a work-related accident may be eligible to receive a monthly benefit, paid for the rest of his or her life. However, a lot of states provide those benefits ultimately will end if, you know, someone remarries. So it brings up just, again, dilemmas and conflicts and controversy and question marks on the cost of remarrying. You know, my mother, well, let's, let's use anyone's mother. Let's say your mother, her husband passes early, and she's 50 years old. She gets $2,000 a month for life as a settlement tied towards a work-related accident. But if she remarries, if she lives 35 years and doesn't remarry, um, that's $520,000. So is it worth getting married for $520,000? Like, that's one of the things that I hate about our business model of a culture. It's a little ridiculous. For the record, not a big Coachella fan. I know I should be. I like alternative music. I like new music. Not a big Coachella fan. Just something about hanging out with that many people, never interesting to me. Retail sales bring up their biggest gain in 18 months. That's a nice story. It's a big part of our economy, so I'm not going to totally ignore it and brush it on the table. The consumer's on the move, and the warmer weather should continue to play into that. March auto sales, when you factor them into retail sales, they hit an annual sales level of $16.3 million, which is a pretty damn good number. Pre-recession, we're at like $17 million-ish. During the recession, we hit a low of $14 million-ish. So we're on the higher side of that, and that's good because a lot of people work in the auto industry. It's not 10 people. It's a lot of people. It's someone you probably know is tied towards financing, tied towards leases, tied towards working there, tied towards selling there, tied towards owning there, tied towards making the steel that goes in the vehicles or the trucks that deliver the vehicles. You know someone that's tied towards the auto industry is my best assumption. And then again, maybe not. Maybe like, nope, don't know anybody. That's totally possible. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we talk about. Um, I think one of the stories that we're starting to see a little more color on this year is the Obamacare, Affordable Care Act, that we're seeing 7 million-plus people signed up for it. It's still a medical expense on a monthly premium level, as well as using it. It's not free health care. And that's playing into the economy as well. Rio 2 didn't do as well as Captain America. Disney beats DreamWorks. Be right back. This is Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. KDOW traffic. Good morning. This report is brought to you by the iHeartRadio app. 
in Vallejo, traffic is jammed up on 37 westbound over the Mare Island Bridge from the two lanes to one lane merge. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. There's a story that's kind of probably only relevant to San Franciscans. Um, Some people really hate Google Glass. And it's turning into kind of the bourgeois versus the proletariat argument of 2004. 13, 14, 15. Now, there has been a big protest of a Google employee who had recently evicted several tenants after buying and moving into an apartment building. More than an hour spent on this story would be a huge waste, in my opinion. But Google employee people angry at evicting people from a building he bought so that he can basically turn it into his home. Um, wearing Google Glass right now, you can get assaulted. Um, there's a dirty word that is inside of glass that people are calling them, you know, the a-hole angle. Um, people are yelling at each other. Because someone's wearing a band that has a little computer inside their, you know, foresight or upper sight, whatever you want to call that. I fail to find the humor in this story. What I tend to find is that there's people who are disenfranchised. And, you know, rent is affordable across bridges. Rent is affordable down the street, but not so much so in San Francisco. San Francisco's got great restaurants. San Francisco's got great nightclubs. And people who work at Google and Facebook and Twitter, they kind of want to live there. It is a city that's becoming more and more gentrified. Um, people are taking buses. Now, again, would you rather them take a bus or drive? You'd probably rather them take a bus to work. But they've got more money than you do. And that's what's happening. You know, is it a destruction of property? Is it a creation of wealth? Whatever it is, it's radicalizing people. And I think this story is kind of interesting to watch from a distance. And I'll I'll say that, and I'll leave it at that. Um, But the fact that people are wearing a device, and you're like, oh, he's a techie. That's not very nice. It's not what your mama taught you. S&P 500's up 9, the Dow's up 76, the NASDAQ up 17. Welcome in. Tony Mendez from BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's done two, maybe three of my loans in real estate, so I bring him in on occasion to kind of highlight what you should be thinking about when buying a home or refinancing a home or maybe even sometimes selling a home. You can listen to his show here on KDOW 1220 Tuesdays 
That's Tuesdays at 6 p.m. drive time. Mr. Mendez, buying a home is intimidating. Yes, it is. I remember in my 20s when I bought my first car, I had buyer's remorse. I had panic. Um, you know, going through a divorce, you have remorse, you have panic, you have fear. But a home, it's it's pretty big. The first home that you put an offer on, and it's not quite the home you want. There's a cracked foundation. You're like, what is, should I be doing yeah. this? Should I not be doing it? Like, you do go through a lot of questions. Yeah, the first cliche I heard in the business, and it still rings true today, is it's the biggest decision you're going to make in your life, the biggest investment you're going to make in your life. And, it, and today it's becoming more harder to get, uh, more difficult to get the financing, uh, finding the right price. Finding the right home is difficult today because we have such competition. Im- we have competition, we have inventory problems, um, and you're putting cash over top of appraised value. So it's, it's a lot more difficult and certainly more intimidating in a seller's market like it is today. And you and I kind of grew up kind of ignorant. We were kind of like, yeah, Dad said put down 28 to 40% of your income. And you and I have grown up in an area, uh, era where people are like, Buy the worst house on the best street. Buy close to great schools. Buy close to great jobs. Don't buy too far out. You want someone's wife to want your home. You want some curbside appeal. I mean, it sounds like pretty generic advice, but a lot of people got burned with bad advice, like buy, you know, take equity out of your home and buy elsewhere, or or um, buy in Dallas. Or, yeah, just wrong advice. You know, the yeah. best advice you can give yourself for real estate is to first decide to make. Decide to buy real estate. That's the hardest decision. Know that you're going to know that you're going to be tied to it. Yeah. And you said it's an investment. I say it's a liability. You say it's the biggest investment you ever make. I think it's the biggest liability. You're committing to paying 30 years every single month, even if you lose your job, even if you divorce. You're making a commitment that's big. Now later in life, as you pay yourself rent, i.e., the part of the mortgage that's not interest but the equity, um, it is. It adds up to a great yeah. thing over time. It doesn't keep up terribly well versus inflation some markets better than others yeah and and you brought up a good point the, a lot of things that are the benefits the right benefits of owning a home aren't sold sold it's the wrong benefits that are oversold and it gets people hyped up about real estate it really is a hype game isn't it uh, oh, yeah. a speculation game right now speculation is is dying off as prices are going up and rates are going up it's it's a lot more rate sensitive than it used to be i'm um, because we have such high prices and this is what i fear in this type of market right now is that we are so rate sensitive and we're so sensitive to alternative types of financing like arms and there's no negams anymore. There is still interest only. So people are sensitive to those, but they also are sensitive to the payment and the fact that the prices have gone up and are going to go back up to where they've been. It's a tricky market. If you live in an expensive area, you're looking for expensive jobs to be created. If you're living in Stockton, you're looking for a doubling of minimum wage. Like, there's little keys and hints that you can think about. Um, I can tell you that my industry, financial world, has some slimy people. There's a big mutual fund guy down in San Jose that I got to see some of the salespeople. And they're just 25-year-old, just, I don't know, just, hey, hey there, Gus, give me a power handshake, and let's go sell some of this product and make big money and have scotches tonight. Like, they're just... I don't know what the word, bimbo, himbo, like, there's, that's not the right word, but uh, your industry has that too, though. You just call them a tool. Tool, perfect. Your industry's got these tools that are like, you know, all I got to do is do one mortgage, and I can fly to Hawaii and smoke weed and come back and do one mortgage, and, you know, hey, I used to be a mechanic, but now I'm going to be a mortgage person. I know a woman who's a housewife, and she's getting her real estate license simply because it's a little extra money. 
And she's competing against people who have been in this industry 40, 50 years, super experienced. She's got none. She's going to fail, in my opinion. With that said, maybe she sells one else. Yep. Um, she's got a heart of gold, and she networks really well with mothers. So maybe she does well. But, you know, that, but there's some barriers to entry. I'd get into the real estate business, that side of the real estate business, if I had a larger network. Uh, and I've been in my city for a long time. I'm a mom, and I, and I know a lot of people, and I know how to network. You know, that's a great way to start. There's a lot be of people who still want to yeah. get into real estate because there is a lot of money to be made in this in this industry. Um, the mortgage industry is more of the sales part. Real estate's all about this. The selling side is all about how who you know. One of the first questions I would ask a potential realtor: Tell me the three best streets. Tell me the school scores, and you know, don't show me a big kitchen. I don't care. Show me the best streets that everyone wants, that has no inventory, that's where I want to be. That has been Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez has been sitting in with me. He works with BayAreaLoanSource.com. He is a lender, BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Herbalife got a criminal probe tied towards them on Friday, and the stock got smashed. Herbalife is the type of company that I try to avoid. It's an odd concept that I'm not willing to take that bet. I'm not willing to take that gamble. I try to lose the gambling idea from anything that I talk about when it comes to investing. Um, it's, it doesn't mean I, I, I don't care. It doesn't mean that I'm not playing the game as hard as you are. It To me... When there's a civil war, nobody wins. Both sides lose. In divorce, I don't think any side wins. You know, let's say you had a hot wife and you divorce her and somehow you get the better of the angle. You get more of your assets. As a couple, you get everything. You still lost. In the public's eye, you made a massive mistake. So... I'm not a big fan of playing stocks like this. Herbalife, some people want it to go to zero because it looks like a multi-level marketing kind of scenario. Hey, sign up to become a distributor of our product. Right there, it sounds like it, right? A friend of mine, God bless her, peeping in little soul, um, trying to help her husband or help their family. He's an oncologist, does great, does great work, and she got into selling makeup to help support. And that's all about the network that you have. You have to pay for the product and the right to distribute it and sell it to your friends and family and network. I find that to be eh. So Herbalife on Friday went from 60 bucks a share to like 51 and today it's recovered and there's probably a way to play it. I just don't want to. I have no interest. Is it a scam or not if they're telling you that it's multi-level marketing? is part of the story. When I was like 21, 22, I went to one of those multi-level marketing events with an open mind about how you can make your own millions, how you, if you can hustle, can become your own entrepreneur, and I left telling a friend, like, that was the dumbest thing I ever heard. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more.
half a percent. The Dow is up four tenths of a percent. The t- station. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Mobile transactions are a big story as far as investments go. Mobile transactions account for about 2% of all credit and debit card volume in the United States. When I get my hair cut, the lovely, lovely person who shampoos the hair in the haircut does the transaction for the haircut person. And she's like, how do you want to pay? And I whip out a credit card, and she swipes it through a phone. It's a mobile payment. Mobile transactions account for about 2% of all credit card and debit card volume. Its numbers are expected to rise. The numbers seem incredibly low at this point in time, and especially when you look at how they've grown in the last five years. You know, 118% annual average growth. There's a lot of confusion about what a mobile payment is or isn't, but I think we all know it's growing. I define a mobile payment as a transaction or payment that occurs when a mobile or Internet-connected device is used to facilitate uh, a transaction that might have otherwise been a, you know, a credit card swipe or a check or cash. Mobile transactions are a big category that sometimes could include those mobile commerce, e-commerce, you know, channeled by an app or mobile website. So is there disruption? Absolutely. Near-field communication so far has been a disaster. There's a technology inside your phone that could allow you to store a lot of financial information to financial transactions that's incredibly well encrypted. Um, and it hasn't caught on. And yet, pay with Amazon, it allows 215 million active Amazon account holders to use their payment as info as they shop on their PCs and mobile devices for, from you know, you know, different commerce sites, sometimes not even Amazon, right? Merchants are a little bit of a, a bottleneck here. Yes and no. And the bigger merchants, obviously, would be cost a lot more money to swap out technology or to include new technology. But about two-fifths of small and mid-sized businesses have adopted you know, card readers. So more and more people are becoming aware of what are called mobile wallets, payment apps, to the tune that Facebook has just announced well, they didn't really just announce. How should I, how should I, I got to frame this correctly, right? Facebook is going to get into mobile payments, and we kind of know this already. What's interesting to note about that is, you know, how, how do we feel? Facebook plans to provide mobile payment services. They are preparing to join the mobile payment race. They've made some sort of relationship with the Central Bank of Ireland to start a service that would allow users to store money on Facebook and use it to pay in exchange with others. Wow, that's kind of big. Facebook hasn't commented on this story yet. We know the partnership's in place. The company, Facebook, has also had talks with at least 
a few other companies, TransferWise, Moni Technology, and Asimo. And all of them offer some sort of online and mobile international money service. Retailers and banks are all trying to you know, secure that piece of mobile pie, and Facebook wants to be seen as a mobile company, and they've done a pretty good job of it. And you can kind of see that we haven't figured out who wins the next lag. Interesting story of note today, Twitter CEO co-founder is not selling stock. It's at that time where the IPO opens up an opportunity for insiders to dump a big chunk of change. Lockup periods prevent company insiders from selling stock following an initial public offering. Twitter went public on November 7th, $26 a share. It soared to $75. It's right around $40 at this point in time. It's based in San Francisco. Um, Benchmark Capital, an early investor, said they have no plans to sell the stock immediately before or immediately after May 5 when that lockup period opens up. Um, so that's something we're watching. Do the insiders know some internal growth is happening? What I find interesting about Twitter is how they've basically copied Facebook's time flow or time management or content management delivery system to the end user. I don't know. I, something tells me Twitter's going to work out, but in the short term, it's pretty damn geeky. So you need hashtags and you need, you know, ads and you're seeing it all over TV and two screen experiences and people talking about the bachelor while the bachelor's on or the bachelorette while the bachelorette's on. It's pretty intimidating as far as joining. But again, that plays into the younger generation using it for many years versus the older generation jumping on now. Steve Jobs once said something along the lines, and please do not quote me. He said, creativity is just connecting things. When you ask creative people how they did something, they feel a little guilty because they didn't really do it. They just saw something. It seemed obvious to them after a while. To me, that's how Twitter plays out. But to me, Twitter is much more of a news aggregator than newspapers are. I've given up on subscribing to newspapers. I've subscribed to Twitter feeds of newspapers. Um, remembering that you're going to die is kind of a reminder that you're already naked. And you might as well just follow your heart. Another Steve Jobs idea thought. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Big event coming up in Burlingame in about two weeks. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. So we're fine with this. We didn't come from money. Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I do this show for a variety of reasons, of which I think one of them is that I've got daddy issues. I want to help people. I want to get your love and your support and your praise. I've worked deep, deep, deep inside the how to get rich industry. I've worked deep, deep, deep inside how the rich play industry. For a couple years now, it's really dawned on me that everyone needs financial help. Everyone. 
even poor people, even people who don't get ahead. I don't believe in the robotic approach. I don't want to dismiss people like Dave Ramsey who try, but inaccurately get data wrong and advice wrong. He's become robotic to me, and I don't think that helps. I want you to manage an investment portfolio of indexed or exchange-traded funds. I want you to accumulate wealth. I think Vanguard, Fidelity, or TD Ameritrade are the three best choices you can have with who to work with until you're wealthy. And even once you're wealthy, maybe they're the people that house your assets. Vanguard is piloting an offering of its own creation at this point in time that nearly matches, you know, all the ideas out there on who's going to run your money. What you do and how you do it is important. How much money are you able to save? There's teeny tiny little things that you can do to create more wealth. Um, For instance, yesterday, I was all prepared to go to the grocery store and get some groceries for the week. And I looked at my fridge, I was like, I can make that last. Believe it or not, that's probably one of the better ways you can create wealth is it's inside your refrigerator because of how many how much we throw away on a yearly basis. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to talk about you know all the great ideas that you can have in web 2.0 or the internet of things or mobile payments. But for the average person, you can start creating wealth from your refrigerator or your pantry friend of mine was kind of a, a butt of a punchline for many, many years until he passed, that he always had toilet paper in his trunk of his car. So you think toilet paper, you think trunk, you know, trunk is another word for your backside. Trunk inside of a car, toilet paper, backside of the car. He always had, like, massive amounts of toilet paper because whenever he'd go to... Um, whether it be a, a big discount or like Costco, Sam's Clubs, or even like a Target, if he saw a massive deal on toilet paper, it just it's chinged in his head. He didn't have the type of garage where he could, you know, support storing a lot of stuff, so he just kept it in the back of his car. A friend of mine has a bowling ball in the back of his car, and I'm like, you're an idiot, because the more weight you carry, the, the lower your gas mileage. But I kind of get storing toilet paper in the back of your car, which if you're not in the, you know, if you're not going to Home Depot every weekend and throwing stuff in the back of your car, it kind of makes sense. I think that kind of butt of the joke is fantastic. Now, on the other side of it, I'll talk about the Internet of Things. This is something that people want to talk more and more about. There's three areas of massive growth. There's one area of of stunning growth. I'm going to say massive, bigger than stunning. PCs aren't growing like they used to. Smartphones are starting to plateau. Tablets 
They look like chump change compared to the Internet of Things. But wearables, connected cars, and connected TVs are all that and a bucket of chicken. At this point in time, the Internet of Everything is out there. The old Internet ran on personal computers. For consumers, for businesses. Um, But tech habits have changed pretty aggressively. Now we're using Chromecast. Now we're using Nest and their internet-tied thermostat for our homes. We're now starting to look at security systems tied towards our mobile phone. Kiosks more and more. Google Glass. Helicopters. Watches. These are all part of the new connectivity. The old connectivity, PCs and smartphones. But it's going to look silly compared to wearables, connected TVs, and connected cars. So it's where we're going. And we're looking at smarter homes, smarter cities, smarter offices, smarter factories. Connecting a lot of the products that we use and consume to the 21st century Web 2.0 kind of concept. You know, there was a day and age where you'd set security on your home, and it was basically break a window and an alarm goes off. Now, break a window, alarm goes off, the cops are called, and you're notified. So there's new types of connected devices. There's an increasing amount of volume out there, big data. You're going to hear more and more about that. You're going to hear more and more buzzwords tied towards cloud computing, the pervasiveness of high-speed networks, um, lower computing, lower storage costs. So have you backed up all your files? Oh, you're, you're, you're avoiding putting it on the, the cloud because it's too expensive. That's all coming cheaper and cheaper, and you get more and more. I think the idea of adopting social media is so 2013, 2012. Um, I still use social media, but I expect almost no return on my time. You can find me at Facebook, Cron4, Rob Black, Twitter, Rob Black Show, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Rob Black Show. But I think people are so, you know, overwhelmed by the opportunities and choices that it's, it's, problematic. So the internet things are going to start overtaking smartphones as far as where we're talking a year from now. Connected cars, wearables, you know, surpassing the installed user base of tablets. Venture capital is piling into the internet of things, whether it be Nest or Fitbit or Jawbone, or Oculus, or Pebble, or a company called SmartThings, a company called Estimote, which is tied towards beacons. There's another company called WithThings that has seen just a ton of money coming into it. Now, you probably haven't heard of WithThings, or Estimote, or SmartThings, as far as companies go, and if you have, congratulations. I somehow think that you will hear more and more about those companies from the research that I do. They're not in the headlines today. They're in the headlines in the future. A lot of opportunity. The IoT is going to be huge. 
the Internet of Things, the IOT. We'll take a break here. Got a big event coming up in Burlingame in a couple weeks. You can learn more about the events at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Good morning once again. This KFAX traffic report is brought to you by the Foundation for a Better Life. Traffic's jammed in Vallejo, getting over that Mare Island Bridge when you squeeze down from two lanes to one. In Pittsburgh, it's a two-car non-injury crash. Move to the shoulder, but traffic was already slow behind this one. It's westbound four behind Bailey Road. In uh, At the Altamont Pass, a stalled pickup truck is partially blocking the left lane of westbound 580 before North Flynn. Even before that, it was backed up from 580 all the way through. To Bloomberg Market Minute. Yeah, I met somebody in the sea of people, and that's just what I believe in. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Fighting your emotions, pretty important when it comes to investing. I don't know about love. Just even opening that commentary in my head, I, I don't know. But you have to fight your emotions when it comes to investing. I think you have to sometimes fight your emotions when it comes to raising a kid. You know, behavioral financial consultants are out there. And they're hired to basically look for people, people's weaknesses and people's strengths. If there's biases that you don't want to play into, Apple's probably one of them. You know, there's a problem with analysts too willing to accept that this is all that in a bucket of chicken. Apple hasn't been all that in a bucket of chicken for two years. I own shares Apple. I think they make great products. They're now, you know, is this going to be the biggest product launch in the back half of the year? A lot of people expect it will. From all their refreshes of Macs and iPads and phones, they think this is going to be the biggest product refresh ever for Apple as far as product launches go. But keep in mind, that's a company that's got that behavioral angle tied towards it. The SP 500 is up 14, the Dow's up 108, the NASDAQ up 41. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tony specializes in mortgage lending. He also has a show here on KDOW, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. That's Again, all about real estate and lending and how to get the loan for the home of your dreams. Tony, we have seen a virtual cycle play out numerous times, it feels like. Adjustable rate mortgages were popular. Then they became un- then they got to kind of the point where they turned into hybrids where, you know, no document loans. And then we got back to let's kill those off for a while and go to 30 years and 15 years. Uh, real estate prices are down. People go with a 30. Real estate prices are up. They go with the arm. What's an arm? Well, it's an adjustable rate mortgage, and you can it's amortized for 30 years, which means your payments are going to be calculated over a 30-year period based on whatever rate you have at the time. A three-year arm, for example, means your 
fixed for three years, and then after the third year, you become an adjustable. And you can adjust quite a bit based on a certain index. That index could be anything from the LIBOR to one of the Treasury uh, um, accounts so, or indexes. So it's not meant for everybody because after that fixed period, your payments could go up dramatically. So it's, it's a specific product that people use as a tool to keep their payments lower. That's the number one advantage of an ARM adjustable rate mortgage is that the rate's going to be about a half a point, sometimes a point lower than what you get on a 30-year fix. The shorter the term arm or the arm term, the lower the rate. So let's say you're staying in your house for three years. Right. And get a three-year arm. Why would you get a 30-year fix at a point higher than and then a 30-year than a three-year arm and save you know ten thousand dollars over that period of time? So that's why an arm makes sense. Does the property come into play? For instance, can you get an arm on a condo or townhouse? Um, you can, but, but an arm is a riskier product. So you need higher credit scores. You okay. need higher equity. Uh, you know, in a lot of cases, you need 25% or more equity to get an arm. Even though lately. Jumbo arms have become more aggressive. You can go up to 80%, but over 80%, you're done unless you get an FHA loan, which are pricey to begin with. It kind of negates the benefit of having an arm. And part of the whole cycle, again, is at some point in time, you're going to be able to get up to 103% on all these products because we get to the point where we keep loosening standards, loosening standards, loosening standards. Disaster. Disaster. And then we tighten standards, and then we loosen them, loosen them, loosen them. This was a pretty tragic event that happened uh, to the housing industry, and and they've since then become over-regulated. And it's going to continue getting tougher, but it right now I'd say we're about what we were in 99 to 2000 as far as guidelines. And then, you know, you know what, hit the fan, and... Lenders started going crazy with the NEGAM loans, loans that would actually increase your balance based on a start rate of like 1%. Those aren't going to come back. So we're going to be a little bit more conservative as far as the type of products available and close some of the doors on on risky products like the the NEGAM. Uh, I guess I just said the same thing over, but it really does emphasize that lenders are scared about selling these products back to the the secondary market, and they're going to continue over being over-regulated and over uh, um, criticize your loan scenario. Speaking of Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com, how often or how much money do you make? Is it different for an arm versus a 15-year versus a 30-year? It, it, it's not. Okay. Uh, one of the things that did change is the way that lenders and loan officers and brokers are compensated so that they charge the same for each scenario. Um, but in the past, uh, we used to have lenders that co- came to our office and they would promote certain products, not the ones that were the best for the client, but the best for the loan officer to make the most money. That's where we got in the most trouble is loan officers were looking to make the most money and selling the wrong products to the clients. That's gone away. So what else should we know about that cash scenario or about the real the scenario where you use a lender, you want them to make money, but you don't want them to make too much money. And you don't want them to make nothing because then they're not going to really work for you and get to know you. Right. The first thing you want to do is just make sure that you have the right scenario. Good credit. You want equity in your property. Good income. And you don't want to stray off of that path because there are some, you know, you have to use FHA. You have to use a private money loan. You want to stick in the mainstream. That's why I'm worried about this private sector um, funding that Obama's trying to push, it's, it could make it a lot worse for people in higher rates. So you want to first make sure your scenario is correct, and then you want to do some shopping. I like using a broker because brokers use several different lenders that could fit your scenario into their slot, where if you did it on your own and you tried to go to one lender and then another lender, you're running your credit more often and you may not hit the right lender that has the right scenario. So there are several things that you can do to make sure that you ensure that 
you end up with the right pricing. Get a good faith estimate. Make sure you shop on the right the same day uh, because rates change quite often. And there's some quite a few other tools that you can use. Thanks very much. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Getting to know the right product, getting to know the right lender, I think is critical. You do not want to be in a scenario where you go into a bank and try to get a loan because you're not going to get the product that's right for you. You're going to get the product that they want to push to you. You're listening to me, Rob Black. That's Tony Mendez, and you can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Jack in the Box, for instance, publicly traded stock, up 80%. Is it a coincidence that their stock price has been up at the same time that Colorado legalized marijuana? Uh, maybe, Maybe there's something to it. They sell cheap, quick, and tasty food. They have no problem advertising what's called the munchie meal. Promotes jack-in-the-box as a place to go when it's late, you're hungry. Not when you're high, but it seems to almost be the next thing out of their mouth. Um, It's got a CEO who's incredibly popular at this point in time, stock up 80%. And they're cooking up more late-night menu fare. Like, they have no problem being that. It's interesting because, you know, again, jack-in-the-box is different from Taco Bell. Taco Bell is pushing breakfast fare. I don't know. Help me on this one. It's Rob Black in your money. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. And your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. This is one of those songs that I adore. And I'll tell you why. It's called Home by the Talking Heads. I think it's called Home. This must be the place. Home. It's the one concept in my head that I've never had. I was a military brat, meaning I lived in 16 places before I turned the age of 18. And for me, the concept of home has never really rung true until I got to the Bay Area. I look at the Bay Area as my home. I've never said that. I was never able to say that out loud. Um... I had once a beautiful wife with everything and and more, great job, and it didn't feel like home. She ultimately cheated on me with a French dude who was on the board of Louis Vuitton Moy Hennessy. And it wasn't even a physical cheat, it was an emotional cheat. It was one of those email things that should never have been caught, that was caught, I'm glad it was. I didn't feel home then. I feel home today. Um, psychologically, I'm in a good place. Hopefully, you are as well. 
it's a very odd concept to talk about on talk radio. But I want you to feel comfortable, and I want you to feel loved, and I want you to, to, when you have that love in your life, I want you to see a future. And part of that future is, in me, getting financial security. I didn't create capitalism. I didn't create escalating rents. I didn't create corporate profits and corporate hatred and damn Google, Yahoo, Twitter employees in San Francisco because they have math skills. I just talk about them. I want you to get to a point where you're 60 and you're able to do some pretty cool stuff in your life. I do want you to do that pretty cool stuff throughout your life, but I want you to have the financial ramifications when you do it too early and too, too expensive. <clears throat> like I said, I had a beautiful life and it ended, and that's fine by me. Um, it allowed me to get to a place where I no longer care about that kind of angle. Um, I care more about quality of life. I care more about loving the moment, being romantic in the moment. Retail sales today rung up a big number. Now, how does that have anything to do with what I'm talking about? I don't think this economy is going to hell in a handbasket. Could it? Sure. There's always going to be a chance. And there's always going to be some sort of lunatic out there who tells you that. That's sadly how they get business. I'm smarter than you. It's going to go to hell in a handbasket. Almost as deplorable is the person who says, I'm smarter than you. You should use me because you're not good enough to make your own decisions. They're both out there. I want your quality of life to improve. I've got three camping trips on the books for the next six months. To me, that's quality of life. Anytime you can turn off your phone for 72 hours or more, it's heaven. That's And that's a weird definition of heaven, but that's mine. A place where your phone doesn't ring. Home, phone still rings, but it's interesting. I moved my office out of my house into an outside location so that I don't check my phone and I don't check emails after 4 p.m. I work from 4 a.m. to 4 p.m., but I don't check after 4. I hope you get there. April 15 is going to mark the first time that the digital world will overtake the physical paper world as far as filings at the IRS. And I say, about time. Oh, by the way, you've got 24 hours to finish your, your taxes. And tomorrow, every news station is going to be running a horrific, awful video of people standing in line at the post office. But more people are filing online, so probably in about two or three years, there's not going to be that story of people filing online. And notice when they show the video, or there's not going to be that story of people filing in person. Notice when they show the, the video of people standing in line at the post office to file their taxes. They're all old people. If we wanted to get rid of old people in our society, because they're a burden to society as far as taking too much Social Security and Medicare, they spend a lot of taxpayers' money. Let's start targeting the people that turn in their taxes on the 15th at the post office. That's when the, the revolution begins. Are you with me? Or are you against me? Oh, an old person just uh, sold their house on my street. I was talking to some neighbors. I'm like, well, at least you, there's a good chance your children don't get run over now. 
yeah, that about sums it up in my mind. So some people on Wall Street are seeing the, the silver lining in the sell-off. There was a sell-off last week, and basically uh, late March, early April, tied towards tech stocks, bubble-like stocks, momentum-like stocks, the Amazons, the Netflixes, the Teslas. And I like that. The biotech, the Internet, the social media have all gotten, you know, let's make a lot of money and buy these guys. That kind of mentality ends badly, so I'd rather it end in a couple sell-offs than end in one big shoosh. Disney's Captain America, which who doesn't love a, a military man, a captain, right? Are you with me on this one? The Winter Soldier won the weekend box office ahead of Rio 2. I am not a cartoon uh, aficionado, but Rio looks like a really bad franchise. So Captain America looks like a really easy franchise to monetize. Now, Rio's pulled in $39 million and Captain America pulled in $41 million. But Rio was a bit of a disappointment for DreamWorks, and Captain America was a huge hit for Disney. Of which draft day, of, do we need another Kevin Costner film? That's really the question here. Doesn't his line of work, including Field of Dreams, a movie that I tear up about because it's got a dad-son relationship, uh, Dancing with the Wolves, or Dancing with the Wolves, fantastic film, Tatanka. Uh, I'll never forget the word for in an Indian for Buffalo. That's what that movie taught me. Um, and the fact that you're not the same skin color, you could still be brothers. You know, the brothers from different mothers concept was introduced in that film. Um, I don't know. He did the baseball film a couple of times. Um, I don't think we need another. And I'm just... I, I, if I'm president of the United States, I will ban all new Kevin Costner films. I'll just end them for you. So we don't need to see him as the security detail for the president or the security detail for a singer. We don't need it anymore. We're done. Twitter CEOs, co-CEOs, um, Twitter co-founders, not co-CEOs, excuse me, Dick Costello and co-founder Jack Dorsey and Evan Williams have no plans to sell any of their shares. It's interesting because... When they came public, you were kind of snarky at $26 a share. It shoots up to $75 a share, then it goes to $40 a share. And they're like, you know what? We're not selling yet. Facebook's joining the world and getting into we want mobile payment services. When I say joining the world, telecom groups, retailers, and banks are all trying to secure a piece of the pie of the global mobile payments. Oh, I've had too much uh, green tea this morning. I said global mobile payments too fast. Global mobile payments. You're going to see massive growth in this sector, and, you know, rightfully so. The idea of a wallet in your back pocket or searching through your purse to grab your wallet is ridiculous when we all carry smartphones. So that's going to change. Criminal Probe launched in the Herbalife, U.S. Department, Controversy, Saga, Bill Ackman, hedge fund analyst or hedge funder. He said pyramid scheme, which is something you need to say very, very lightly and very, very carefully. Um, 
Herbalife is facing civil suits from multiple government agencies. They're looking into the company and its associate network independent distributors where you have to pay to become a distributor and suddenly get all this product. I won't say that I'll punch in your face if you offer to sell me Herbalife, but that's the reaction I have towards people selling products to me that are my friends and family. It just doesn't seem to be something that I care for. SpaceX is going into space today. Um, They're going to go to the International Space Station. They're going to launch an unmanned Falcon 9 and Dragon capsule. It's going to try to hit the space station. It's a $100 billion research laboratory. It flies 250 miles above the Earth. So this is the third of 12 planned flights for SpaceX to go to into space for NASA. Now, SpaceX is Elon Musk. Elon Musk is Tesla. This is another one of his babies. He thinks getting to another planet that could habitate life is the way of, you know, doing a, a backup on the on humanity. Oh, a little heaven. There was a bar called Heaven on the top floor, and Hell was on the bottom floor. Love this song. I'm a, I'm a huge David Byrne fan. I'm sorry, I'm apologetic about it. We'll take a break here. They're right back. They play my favorite song. Play it one more time. Play it all night long. Service and the Ad Council. U.S. stocks rally on retail sales and Citigroup's profit. From Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York, I'm Donna Wilson. U.S. Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the stories that I'm kind of working on this week, and it may never become a story, but I'm watching earnings out of Google. That's a stock that a lot of people love, and compared to Facebook, it has a cheap valuation. Now, Google's not gotten social very well. And social has done very well in the last three years. And when I say Google hasn't gotten social very well, I'm probably understating. Google Plus, adding friends to your circles, it could be one of those those game changers that in the long run works out. You know, I I signed up for it just in case. You know, I got an additional couple hundred friends and family and people in the circle, and I've never really developed it because... You only have so much time per day, right? So I'm watching Google closely to see if they ever get away from search and what it means financially speaking. So they report on Wednesday. Now, bringing Android operating systems smartwatches, if they talk about that, I'll listen, for sure. Yahoo's got some slowing growth. Yahoo has been a big winner from Alibaba, Chinese version of Yahoo, essentially. 
that did well and that did better in China than Yahoo did in America, as far as stickiness goes. Um, <clears throat> so I'll listen to that conference call Tuesday afternoon. I love Marissa Meyer. She is, in my mind, a classic beauty as far as physical goes. Um, often compared to like a, a Gwyneth Paltrow. But Marissa Meyer is also a kick-butt executive. And I love that. I think what Marissa Meyer is doing to influence young women is amazing. It always surprises me, though, when she talks. Because she's that Gwyneth Paltrow-looking blonde, skinny, Barbie doll, whatever you want to say here, you know, cover of Glamour magazine. And then she talks and she goes, Yes, I want to report that we had a slow-growing quarter as far as revenue and advertising goes. And you're like, no, no, no. It's not Smoker's voice, as far as I know. Intel's going to report on Wednesday. They, too, are somebody I'm, I'm eyeballing. Not so much for the slowdown of the PC, but for the opportunity to get in smartphone and tablets. Will it ever really come to fruition? IBM hardware revenue dropped 26% in their last quarter. They're going to reorganize their company. I like listening to conference calls on reorganization. And then BlackBerry. One of the companies that's known for enterprise software, one of the companies that's known for security, the Heartbleed encryption vulnerability hit them, and it hit them pretty hard. So they say that they're going to have security updates for the messaging software. They're going to release earnings on Friday. And they've got a CEO in place now who kind of said last week, you know, if this phone thing doesn't work out, we're just going to focus on software and enterprise. And just so everyone knows in the audience, software and enterprise software has much higher profit margins than selling hardware phones. Fascinating. That stock's been a buy at 5, it's been a sell at 10. Buy at 5, sell at 10. It's an amazing trading vehicle. And that may change if the value is ever perceived. Maybe if the value is ever realized. Retail sales this morning tell me the only fear you have to fear is fear yourself. I don't even know what it tells me. No. The retail sales number tells me that things are okay out there. Again, I assure you that I am very similar to you. I wish I had more money to spend in my paycheck. I've got a nice paycheck. Yay! But when it comes to how much is left over, I wish there was more. Right? One piece of financial news that I never got to this morning that I I think is worth mentioning briefly is mortgage numbers. Mortgage lending in the U.S. contracted to levels not seen since 1997. Where were you in 1997? The year Tiger Woods won his first of four Masters championships. Rising interest rates, home prices drove away borrowers. So mortgages are being, demands dropping as higher interest rates and home prices. There was a home sold on my, my block that I can't wait to figure out how much it sold for, because the last home sold on my block was ridiculously overpriced. And that helps me, because I own a home. 
I know, I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. I drink scotch in voluminous amounts. I do television work. And 30% true. So whenever I see a price, a home go overpriced, I'm like, woohoo! And there's a phenomenon tied towards it that let me see if I can get you in on this or not. Everyone wants to live in Palo Alto because there's a university there with graduate students that start billion-dollar companies. And people want to stay close to their university. And there's also a talent pool of students there for engineering. Berkeley, a little less so, but still, it can fall into this argument. There's a halo effect of, you know, wasn't there a statistic that Palo Alto is the first city in the United States where every home averaged over a million dollars? I think that's true. That may not be true, but I think it's true. Therefore, I'm just going to say it, even if it's irresponsible. But there's a halo effect. If you own property within 5 miles, 10 miles, 15 miles, it's going to hold some value because people want to be ultimately close to where they work or go to school. If you have a home in that area, if you want to sell it to me, please do. Because I think that's a very, very desirable area. Next real estate correction, I'm buying more. Do we get a real estate correction? I think people are onto that phenomenon of like San Carlos is the next Menlo Park. Really? It's Menlo Park North? Okay, I'm in. And then San Mateo is going to be San Carlos North. Or North San Carlos. You get the idea. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. Big event coming up in a couple weeks in Burlingame. Sign up at robblack.com. Um, take control of your financial future with Pinnacle Investment Properties. Get the free Pinnacle Perspective Report at investwherebest.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.